Hello and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. The field of 68 is set. The brackets are out. UConn's path to a 15th straight Final Four and a 12th overall national championship is finally out. So UConn is a two seed in the Seattle Three Regional. Actually, before we get into anything, can we just talk about how dumb the naming is? Because, like, what's the point of even having the, like, where this game is? Why not just have it be region one, two, three, and four? I feel like that's a little more intuitive than, like, Greenville's one and two, but then Seattle's three and four. Yeah, it's confusing. My other group, but there's, it's like too many numbers when you're writing. It's like the number three seed in Seattle, you know, three, and then you've got other numbers. It's too many numbers. <laughs> I think I've said on the show before, but why isn't it just like one is Greenville and the other is North Carolina or Carolina or Seattle and Washington or Seattle and Pacific Northwest or Greenville and East Coast or like something like that just to distinguish the two. I know it's the first year, but we couldn't have put like an ounce of creativity into this. Three seconds of thought into it, I think yeah (laughs) anyways yukon is in seattle three which for our visual learners is the bottom right of the bracket they're the number two overall seed virginia tech is the number one tennessee is the number four and ohio state is the number three yukon will play a local team number 15 vermont in the first round vermont beat albany this is not a miss saying this is the actual final score of a championship game 38 to 36 the fewest points scored in a championship game of a conference tournament since 2000 i believe and i think that's just when espn's database has run out um i watched that game just not knowing uconn was going to end up with it but one of my roommates from college was at the game because he goes to grad school up at saint mike's i turned it on in the fourth quarter and it was still in the 20s and i thought i read something wrong at first <laughs> like sometimes i get a little confused going back and forth between the men and the women because i'll see the two on the men thinking it's the second quarter and it's already like 68 64 so i think i just did the reverse of that thinking that it was only like the second quarter when it was actually the fourth quarter (laughs) so uh over under points for vermont would be their seed line do they score more than 15 points after scoring (laughs) 38 against an america east opponent Probably because Vermont also plays at a very slow pace normally, and UConn's probably not going to let them do that, so they're going to have a few more opportunities than they're used to, but I don't think this one's going to be much of a contest. Yeah, no, I they'll get over that, but I don't know. UConn's single-game record for points allowed is 20 points. That happened to Quinnipiac. I kind of think that one might be in, in or threatened <laughs> because Vermont plays the second slowest pace in the nation that is impressive when there's 356 teams yeah it is impressive i just don't think this game is going to be paid at a pace though i think no, that they absolutely are gonna not. take a lot more shots than they're used to taking so luckily yeah. more of them will go in <laughs> yeah well, i maybe not but <laughs> <laughs> they'll have a higher volume of attempts than yes they do normally some stats on UVM. I was doing my research today before this. Their 22 wins are the most since 2010. They've had a very weird last like 13, 14-ish years. So in 2009, that's a really good place to start. 
they actually came to stores, played UConn, and gave or allowed or scored something like the second or third most points on UConn all season or something. They for what they did, it was pretty impressive. And then the next year, 2010, they actually won an NCAA tournament game. They beat Wisconsin out at Notre Dame before then falling to Notre Dame. So they won 20 games back to back two years in a row. They went 27 and seven in 2010. And then in 2011, they went five and 25. They lost their first, it looks like 15 to 16 games. And since then they had not gotten back above 500 until 2021 when they only played six games and went four and two and then last year they went 20 and 10 this year they're 24 and six there's just so much to unpack there though that is a wild resume to have over the last what 14 years yeah that's nuts you just told me way more than i knew about this vermont team five minutes ago I, uh, my mom went to UVM, so I've always been a Vermont basketball fan. And I was like, gee, why have I never paid attention to the women? And I now know exactly why I've never yeah. paid attention to the women because they were never in the finals consistently in the NCAA tournament. Like the men were a couple more stats. Cause we're just rolling here. They have the seventh best defense in the nation. They've scored over 70 points, six times, but only gotten over 80 twice. They've allowed over 70, only three times. But the only good team they played, Indiana, had 86 on them. So I think it kind of goes to show what playing a level of competition might look like. Exactly. I don't think UConn has too much to worry about in this one. (laughs) No, no. Of all the potential matchups that they could have gotten, I think you got to feel pretty good playing a team that just scored 38 against UMass Lowell. The matchup that will also come to stores is number seven Baylor against number 10 Alabama. And I think a lot of people are probably going to see Baylor and get a little worried just because of the name recognition. Who actually is this Baylor team coached by Nikki Collin? Yeah, it's not it's not as good. They haven't been great this year. They've been a little bit better down the stretch, and Sarah Andrews has kind of emerged as a, a good scoring option for them. But they've still struggled some in the Pac or not the Pac twelve, the Big Twelve. Um, I actually think Alabama is the better team in this matchup. To be honest, I don't even know that UConn will see Baylor, but it's not the Baylor of old. It is not going to be a Baylor of old type game. Their defense is not, their defense is good, but it's not as good as an old Baylor defense. Their rebounding is good, but it's not as good as an old rebounding Baylor. So it's it's not the same type of team that UConn fans probably are used to associating with Baylor. Alabama though, doesn't Alabama have an injury that's questionable coming into this? Do they? I missed that if they did. Yeah, I, I think that's the question mark with Alabama is one of their better players is injured. Well, that is unfortunate. I did not know that. I missed that uh-huh. one. <laughs> I know so. there's a lot of potential injuries in the field. I missed that that was one of them. Um, so I guess maybe they will see Baylor in that case. But, I mean, Alabama is a pretty good team in terms of on both, really both sides of the ball. Um, they're 26 in her hoop stats rating. 26th in the offensive side, 33rd in the defensive side. They rebound the ball well. Actually, that's not really true. They, they don't. Well, they don't. I'm like looking at their numbers as I say that. And I'm like, they don't. But I'm like, they also play in the SEC. So I feel like that, that changes the way the numbers look sometimes because you've got a lot of really good rebounding and defensive teams. Um, 
They played, I want to say they played South Carolina close for like a half earlier this year. They've kind of been one of those teams that I think they struggled a little bit down the stretch, but they were they were pretty good for a while in the middle of the season. Last year, obviously, there was the UCF game in the second round that UConn needed all 40 minutes to pull out, and it was not easy. Yeah. Do you anticipate, you know, assuming UConn gets to the second round matchup, <laughs> that either of these teams, I guess there's two parts. Do you think either of these teams can give UConn you know, a challenge? And do you think either of these teams do give UConn a challenge? Can they? Sure. I think it comes down to more how UConn looks, though. And, like, if UConn looks like a team that it looked like in the Big East tournament, I don't think they do. I Like, I think the thing with that game last year was partially just, like, the style that UCF plays and that just creates that type of game it can make it really challenging and I've talked at length we don't have to talk about it on this because it's not related to UConn but I've been talking at length about that potential Georgia which is UCF 2.0 versus Iowa matchup in the second round which could be very interesting but anyway um, I I don't think any of these two teams play a style that is going to create a game like that one last year and I think that UConn might win this a little bit more comfortably uh, than they did last year. I was actually just looking over at that Florida State-Georgia <laughs> 7-10 matchup because all things considered, I think this is, like you said, a pretty, you know, standard second round matchup for UConn. Some of the other ones, though, like, I don't think UConn would love, UConn handled both the, well, handle, <laughs> circumstances depending. NC State and Princeton, they were handling Princeton until everyone decided to get hurt. And then NC State, they killed NC State because AZ Fudd had her best game of the year. But I don't know if I'd love seeing either of those two teams in the second round. Same thing with Florida State and Georgia. I wouldn't want to see Georgia at any point, regardless of who they have, just because they're going to attempt to injure you. (laughs) And uh, yeah, they might want to find a way to get Caitlin Clark and bubble wrap for that potential second round matchup. And even Florida State gave UConn a, a decent test early in the season. Tanaya Lawson might be hurt though. That's yeah. the big thing with that one. It's another, there's many unknown injury situations in this bracket and that's one of them. Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to say is if she's hurt, that's a completely different Florida state team, but it feels like UConn got a pretty good spot. Even just if Georgia ended up at, it's the same seed line that UConn would have faced and they yeah. weren't that far off. I mean, a lot of people were talking about how, Oh, should UConn have been the top, two seed should they have been the last four seed based on you know where they ended up i think their bracket is their region is probably the best case scenario right yeah i i I think i like this bracket for them i'm not very high on some of the other teams that they might have to play in here so I, i i think they they got a good draw yeah like stanford i've been very adamant that stanford's not that good but they worry me simply because if they ever decide to flip that switch and actually figure it out and play anywhere close to their potential, that's a really dangerous team. Iowa gave UConn trouble earlier in the year. They don't really worry me, but I just, Virginia Tech's a good team. I don't think UConn would just walk over them on the way to the Elite Eight if they both make it there. But I think that is probably of the, you know, the top five. I don't think they're... They're going to yeah. play Virginia Tech, honestly. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so who knocks them out? South Dakota State, Iowa State, Tennessee? 
I think South Dakota State could, but I think Tennessee definitely would. Okay. Um, South Dakota State is very good, and people are going to underestimate them. I don't know necessarily that they're going to pull off that upset because it's still a big upset. Um, Tennessee and Virginia Tech actually played earlier in the year, though, and it was a three-point game, and I'm pretty sure Rikia Jackson did not play in that game, which is obviously a big part of what Tennessee does. Um, and I think that I, that they could easily pull off that upset. I'm like not very high on Virginia Tech, and I've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out why I don't think they're that good, and I think it's two things. One, they've literally played no one other than Tennessee outside of the ACC. They haven't played a single team outside of Tennessee that is on the, the top 10 seed lines in this tournament. And then everyone's very high on this like 11 game win streak they are on but other than a duke team that i also don't believe in because they can't score the basketball they haven't really beat anyone noteworthy in that stretch like louisville to me not that noteworthy unc to me not that noteworthy so like yeah they've won but like who have they been yeah no i think the moment i saw virginia tech go on that seed line and uconn pop up i mean you look around the rest of the bracket at the other potential three, four seed, well, one, two, one, three, and four that UConn could have played. Again, I, I wouldn't have wanted to see Stanford. <laughs> three, Duke being three, that would they just don't be worry a, me. No, but it would just be a grinder of a matchup. Yeah. That would be like a tough sweet 16 game to have to get through and then go into the Elite Eight. Fair. Whereas like last year, UCF. If they had to play another team right after UCF, I don't know how that would have gone. That's fair. Texas. I'm in Seattle for right now. Texas is currently my pick to go to the final four in that region by process of elimination. The fact that they've had so many injuries. Also, I kind of have, they have a vibe to me of a team that has kind of like UConn gone through a lot this year, but if they can put it all together at the right time, they're a better team than a four. We know that Vic Schaefer can have his teams overperform in the postseason. Defense can carry you a long way. Rory Harmon's a really good player. And also, I just don't love the rest of the bracket, too. So you could have had a four like Texas in your region. Mm-hmm. That's true. They're, I think they are better than a four seed if they're healthier than they were in the Big 12 tournament. Then, Which they should be. Yeah, then... LSU, I don't think we need to... That would actually be a pretty good matchup. We don't need to dive into that yet. Villanova, we know... UConn and Villanova have played enough that we know what what's going to happen in that game. But then Notre Dame, I mean, depending on if Olivia Miles is healthy, Notre Dame might be a very easy second-round matchup for UConn, or if it, if it was a Sweet 16, that could be pretty easy. And then... UCLA, I hate to do this to you, but I have them losing to Sacramento State. I yeah, I just lost this battle on the other podcast. I I lost the battle on that, and I lost the battle on Nova too in the first round. Which I don't think Nova's losing the first round. Oh, they are not losing in the first round. That's a bad take, and whoever had that take should feel bad about themselves. Yeah, I think everyone just wanted to gang up on me. I think that's really (laughs) what was happening. Um, but yeah, no, I like uh, there's like a world where UCLA does really well in this tournament, and there's a world where they lose in the first round, and I don't really know which one is more likely. I lean towards the 
ladder because Corey Close remains their head coach. <laughs> I like Corey Close. I don't have any issues with her, but <laughs> just right. she hasn't done anything. That's fair. She's been there so anything. long and she hasn't done anything. That's fair. So I think, you know, you don't just magically wake up one day with a team that is good, but it's still a young team. It's they are young, yeah. So Let's come back to UConn's region for a second. I don't understand how St. Louis is a 13 when they went 500 and won the A-10. That very much feels to me like a 16 team. I don't know about you. Yeah, I literally think it's just because like the A-10 is an okay league. Right, like that's where the A-10 team normally goes. Yeah, I think it's probably because like the strength. These other leagues is just so well below where the A ten is. I guess it just being seventeen and seventeen—that's crazy. That that's a thirteen seed. Yeah, I don't know. It must be, and probably also I don't know. It's because like, if UMass, like the team that should have won the U the A ten, was in this, they probably would have been like a, a ten eleven. But yeah. How about Tennessee? Obviously, UConn saw them earlier in the season. Do you think they're that much different of a team than when UConn played them down there and won by 15, I think it was? I don't think they're that much different. I think they figured things out a little bit down the stretch, but I think they're a lot different team than they were in November. Are they that much of a different team than they were in late January, early February, whenever that game was? I can't remember. I don't think so. I think UConn saw what this Tennessee team is pretty much. That would be a really good Elite Eight matchup, though. Just in terms of attention and storylines, that would be pretty great. I have a theory that, like, UConn wasn't actually the the second two, and then the committee just wanted that matchup. Well, actually, my theory is that they wanted them on the other side of the bracket of South Carolina. Also that. I think, like, so... The men's committee releases the 1 through 68 list, like, in order so you can see what they did. And the women's doesn't, and I really think it's because they're, like, doing some shady stuff to to make matchups that they want. I mean, I honestly don't have a problem with that. It's not like... I think it's done, fine, yeah. but it just, like, annoys me that they don't put out the stupid list, because, like, why can't you give us a list? You have it. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, this is the second straight year that UConn and Tennessee are in the same region, too, right? Were they in the same region last year? It was either last year or the COVID year. Maybe it was the COVID year that I'm thinking. Maybe it was the COVID year. Because they didn't pull... I thought Tennessee made it to the Sweet 16 last year, didn't they? Yeah. They okay, won played so Belmont, or, I think. Or maybe that was the first round. I can't remember. All right. I think, so I think was... I'm thinking of yeah. the COVID year then. I'm pulling up the bracket now. And... I want to say they played Belmont in this the second round last year and like won by the skin of their teeth like right yeah. before UConn's game against UCF I for yeah. some reason like remember watching it in like the food room at <laughs> it was the the COVID year they were the three seed in UConn's region which is really funny to think that they were a three seed and didn't get out of the second round they got <laughs> blown out by six seed Michigan by 15 in the second round UConn obviously played high point Syracuse, Iowa. So it would have had to be in the Elite Eight, but I don't think it's a coincidence that this is the second time they're in the same region. Oh, yeah. No, I think the committee did that on purpose. Yeah. And 
having them on the other side is South Carolina. South Carolina and UConn are both independently going to draw really good ratings for whoever they potentially, assuming they get there in the final four, that another rematch championship matchup, I think, would be really big. Whereas if South Carolina played, you know, Indiana or Virginia Tech, or conversely, if UConn played actually the matchups on the other side would be a lot more intriguing. It would be either like Maryland or Stanford or Iowa, or, you know, pick another high seat over there. And it's still a pretty intriguing matchup, but more whoever South Carolina plays UConn side of the bracket is overall doesn't have the name recognition of the left side. So I just think it's, it's a pretty big ratings ploy. Yeah, it, it feels that way. So I've avoided this area of the, bracket a little bit but ohio state once they got up to number two in the country right at one point yep and yep. now a three seed are we gonna see the team that started hot or are we gonna see the team that blew what was it like a 25 point lead in the big 10 tournament did that they didn't lose below 25 point lead did they I thought they blew a big lead. Or did they come back from a big lead? They came back. So Ohio State started the season 19-0. They are 6-7 and seven since. But they did come back from a big deficit to beat Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. But then oh, got yeah. demolished by Iowa in the championship. Yeah. They probably make the Elite Eight. And that's less to do with the Ohio State and more to do with this North Carolina team has not looked good You mean lately. the Sweet 16? Sorry, yes, sweet sixteen. <laughs> I was gonna say we're we're about to have a discussion if you think that Ohio State's yeah. gonna be in the Elite Eight. I just had that argument. Yeah, no, they're not going to the Elite Eight. Um, no, sweet sixteen. Sorry, uh, and that says I think less about Ohio State and more about just the fact that like North Carolina really hasn't looked good lately. Uh, I know you like them, but they just haven't looked good lately. <laughs> They've been really struggling. Yeah, I was just going to say that I picked North Carolina to beat Ohio State, and that is 100% a heart overhead pick. And I'm (laughs) fully prepared to admit that. I have a few of those on my bracket because, you know, you got to roll with your guys. But, yeah, the thing with North Carolina is they've been so inconsistent all year that if they actually, like, put together their good 40 minutes, they could beat a lot of teams. Do I think they will? No. However, I'm hoping it happens against Ohio State. I could also That's see true. like St. John's upsetting them. Yeah, I could see that too. I didn't pick it, but I was like, there's a world where that happens. Yeah. So I have UConn and North Carolina in the Sweet 16, and I would love to get to see Courtney Banghart again. One of my <laughs> favorites, but yeah, I'm I'm not counting on it. I think it's instead going to be the dorky UHAS revenge game. Yeah, I think it's going to be UConn, Ohio State, and I don't really think UConn's going to have very many issues. The one thing about Ohio State, the matchup that like is concerning for UConn, is that they run the press, and yes, this UConn team has a problem turning the ball over, so that's an issue. But I think with AZ back, like you have two ball handlers, they have a week off before they're going to have to see that game. Like They're going to be prepared for the press. Gino's going to prepare them for the press. I, it doesn't really worry me that much. I think other people, the reason that people think that that could be an upset, that's why. The reason it absolutely will not be an upset is because once you break the press, Ohio State has literally no interior defense and Dorky, Huss, and Ali Edwards are both going to have like 20 and 12. 
also Leah Edwards, we have seen can bring the ball up. So if you're trying to stop Leah Edwards with a full head of steam from midcourt, best of luck to you. Either <laughs> she's going to score or you're going to take a charge and pay for it with your life. Yeah, exactly. Like I, This matchup doesn't worry me at all. They can shoot well, but like I just they have their defense in the half court is so bad. It's like it's worse than Iowa's defense. <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Looking at some of the other matchups here, do you see Iowa State as being in upset territory with Toledo, considering you know five twelve is a pretty classic upset matchup? I don't think so. Toledo is decent, but I think Iowa State, at least the way they looked in the big 12 tournament, they were shooting the ball well. I think they're probably going to be fine. I don't think they'll get past Tennessee, but I I don't really see them losing in the first round. Um, I guess if they shoot horribly from three, it's possible, but I think they've, they've probably got enough going to beat Toledo. So your other Sweet 16 matchup would be Virginia Tech-Tennessee. What do you like about that matchup, and who do you see getting through? I like Tennessee in this one. Did we already talk about this? I could swear we We might have, but let's just dive a little more. I think you mentioned that you (laughs) picked Tennessee over Virginia Tech, but I don't know if you explained why. Okay, fair. Um, Yeah, so they played earlier this season. It was close. I just... I think I already went on about how I'm not high on Virginia Tech, but okay. I think that they're not going to have a great answer. They might be able to defend Rakia Jackson or Jordan Horston well, but they're not going to be able to defend both well. And then from Virginia Tech's perspective, like they have Elizabeth Kitley in the post and she's really good, but I think like, Tennessee will be able to control her enough. And then the other player that's really good for Virginia Tech is Georgia Amore. And she was on a really hot shooting streak in the ACC uh, tournament. It's a big part of why Virginia Tech won the ACC tournament like they did. So I think it could get close in that. Like, I think she'll go off. I think Kelly's going to be good. But then I think just Tennessee with Jackson and Horson has more of an answer. Buy a new home beats grow my business at the buzzer. Webster Bank is offering you a chance to win a trip for two to the men's college hoops finals in Houston. Just pick your biggest goals for 2023 and enter today at WebsterGoals.com. No purchase necessary. It's 325-23. Must be a legal resident of Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, or New York, and at least 18. For rules and details, visit WebsterGoals.com. Webster Bank, NA, member FDIC, equal housing lender. All right, so let's look at the rest of the bracket. We will try to keep it quick because Megan has discussed the bracket on roughly 500 different podcasts <laughs> over the past week. So we won't kill her too much, but five other or four other Big East teams got in five total, including UConn. One of the ones that UConn actually just, UConn did the Big East a service by losing to St. John's because St. John's made the last four in, and that certainly would not have happened if they did not beat UConn. So you know, UConn just looking out for the conference. They are in the play-in game down at UNC against Purdue. No, I'm sorry. That's at Ohio State against Purdue. <laughs> Do you think St. John's gets through that? And I know we kind of talked about it earlier, but then their chances against UNC. Yeah, this should be interesting. 
the Purdue, I like this Purdue team too. I think they've played well at times. They have to win over Ohio State. I think it could be a close one. They might win it. I'm not like I wouldn't definitively say that they're going to win it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see who comes out of it. Honestly, I don't have a strong take on on who's going to win it. And then against North Carolina, it depends like what version of the North Carolina team shows up. If it's like the remotely good version, no, they don't really have a chance. If it is what North Carolina brings sometimes, yeah, they might win. I like I don't know what to expect from that North Carolina team, so it's really hard to make that pick. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I like them to get to North Carolina, like to play North Carolina, and then I have North Carolina beating them for obvious reasons to get North Carolina to the Sweet 16. So, yeah, I if I'm kind of with you. If they get dropped in that first round, even if it's like similar to that DePaul game last year where DePaul was in the last four in the first four, well, the last four in comma in the first four mm-hmm. and just got killed Demolished. by, I don't, yeah, killed. Uh, Dayton, yeah. I think. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull through too, but that feels like maybe not the least consequential, but it doesn't feel like they have, much of a path to make a ton of noise. Yeah. Next one. It is old friend versus new friend. Eight seed South Florida taken on nine seed Marquette. The winner gets the honor to most likely get absolutely stomped by South Carolina. This is a close one. I like Marquette just because I think I've seen Marquette more and they have that grit to them. Whereas I just cannot respect anyone who's lost to East Carolina. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i also have marquette in this i wouldn't be surprised to see south florida win it as well though i think they're they're decent minus that east carolina lost which is a head scratcher is that even who they is that who they lost to or was it someone else i don't know it would be even worse if they lost to someone else though i think it might be someone else i'm looking it up um <laughs> quickly here but yeah, they have a really good player, and I'm just going to say her first name because I don't have a clue how to pronounce her last name, Dulcie, and then I I can't even, like, begin to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so I think that will be interesting. They lost to Wichita State. Um, oh, that's so much worse. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that doesn't bode a lot of confidence. <laughs> then... Let's say I'm going to stick with Marquette. Yeah. And then Marquette's probably going to get absolutely stomped by South Carolina. I was going to say Marquette did beat UConn, but that took a historically bad performance from UConn coming off a very emotional loss while having to travel halfway across the country. And it was on the road. South Carolina is going to just put Norfolk state into the bathroom and then They're going to be at home. That's going to be a very easy win for them. They're going to be at home. They're going to play Marquette, who's most likely going to have to go through a tough game to get there. I do not see a path forward to Marquette pulling this upset off. Aside from the heavens opening up and divine intervention intervening to the fullest extent. Yeah, I mean, UConn outscored Marquette in the paint 48-8 to in the Big East tournament. South Carolina's probably going to try to double that. Um, but yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty for Marquette. Yeah. Next one, same region. Greenville won top left of your bracket. Creighton playing the winner of Illinois and Mississippi State, which is currently happening as we record. 
This one feels really interesting because Creighton's got an interesting draw. They are in the same region, you know, little initial host region as Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Olivia Miles' status is questionable at best. It doesn't seem like she's going to be playing. If she does play, I don't think she's going to be at 100%. Creighton got to the Elite Eight last year. Maryland has come on recently, but is still not necessarily a surefire thing. So this feels like something where Creighton could once again make it to the Elite Eight against South Carolina, or their season could end in the first round against one of these play-in teams. Yeah, I think the way this goes for Creighton is either it ends in the first round, or they at least make it to the Sweet 16, assuming Olivia Miles isn't playing, which seems the most likely at this point, I think. It looks like it'll be Mississippi State, because that game is is wrapping up here now, and they're up pretty pretty heavily. Um, So, yeah, they've got Mississippi State in the opening round. I think as long as they shoot the ball all right, they'll be fine in that game. So then I would say, without Olivia Miles, they've got a pretty comfortable road to a Sweet 16. I don't think they're going to beat Maryland, but I'm not saying they can't beat Maryland. Yeah, we didn't think they'd get to the Elite Eight last year. And lo and behold, there they were. I did think they would beat Iowa, though. That is fair. No, we you deserve the credit for that one. I would <laughs> pick them over Iowa again, too. It's corn-on-corn yeah. corn violence, but... <laughs> Creighton's got a... I think I said this about Marquette too, but watching the end of that Creighton Seton Hall game in the Big East tournament, Creighton definitely had an edge and a fight to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because this Creighton team is seated like much better than last year's, but I actually don't think they're as good as last year's team though. Cause they, <laughs> like, they never really figured out that, that point guard situation quite as well as it was last year when they had Tate and Rambo. So I actually think this Korean team is worse, but like they're probably still going to make the Sweet 16 with that draw. Yeah. Now the last one, Villanova. I saw you saying on Twitter earlier that your sneaky pick is Villanova to the Final Four. Are you still on that train? I'm keeping on that train. I don't know that it's going to happen, but it like kind of comes down to like I don't really trust anyone in this bracket, so might as well go with Villanova because I trust Maddie Seagrist at least. <laughs> I don't have um, a uh, go ahead. I think they're the toughest matchup for Indiana among the top seeds in this group. So I think if they can get through Indiana, I mean, we all know I don't believe in LSU. I don't <laughs> even have LSU getting to that game. And like I also don't believe in Utah. So I don't know that it's gonna happen, but there's a path that's reasonable ish. Yeah, this feels like the upset bracket if there were one. I have Florida Gulf State beating Washington State. I'm just yep. not convinced about Washington State's run. Same. I, I have them then getting through to the Elite Eight, or the Sweet 16, sorry, where they lose to Indiana. I just, my one concern with Villanova all year long, and we kind of saw it in the UConn games, is they don't really have a consistent second score behind Maddie Seagrist. I think Lucy Olsen definitely stepped up this year, but I don't think she's quite at a level that she can be tasked with carrying the offense next to Seagrist. And UConn's kind of showed the the blueprint on how to at least slow her down and, you know, limit her from having a 50-point game. 
I feel like Indiana might have the tools to do that with Mackenzie Holmes. But at the same time, if Villanova goes on last year's Creighton run, I'm not going to be surprised if they somehow get into the final four. And the thing that kind of stops me there is just look at the way that UConn played them. UConn was terrible the first time they played them and they still won. The next two times when they're in a better spot, it wasn't close. So I think Indiana might just be able to out-talent them at the very least. I do think that's possible. What I think will be difficult for Indiana in that game is I don't really know that they have a good answer for Maddie Segrist. I think Mackenzie Holmes is good, but not like entirely sold on her defense. Okay. So a larger conversation about the Big Ten in general. But anyway, um, I just I don't have a lot of faith in the Big Ten like converting in March. Um. And I don't know, like, also because if you guard Seagrass, I think you have to be able to not just guard her in the lane, but you have to be able to guard her on the perimeter. And I think that's where becomes the problem. And I think Ali Edwards is really good at that, but most player post players are not good at that. So I think that could be problematic. I don't know that they're going to have a great answer for her. Um, I think the key, like, I don't think it's an easy pick for Villanova t- to win that game. I think they very well could lose it, but I think, and they need things to go right, but like, I don't think Indiana's going to do a great job on Seagrist. So there's that. If Lucy Olsen can score, she has to score in that game. And then they need Christina Dulce to stay out of foul trouble. I think those are the three things that have to happen. But I thought in the minutes that Dulce played in the Vegas tournament, I was very impressed with her. It's just like the foul trouble catches up to her. Yeah, she's going to be a really good player. For Villanova's sake, you hope it happens this year. Overall, it's, you know, I don't know if it's going to, flip that quickly because you know when UConn was having those offensive rebounding issues in the first quarter against Villanova in the final it was all Dulce all Mm -hmm. of it she had like seven of the nine rebounds it was unbelievable so yeah they need they need those kids to show up and play next to Maddie yeah and I think the other thing you're gonna see is like yeah other people have to show up because I don't think Indiana can guard Maddie Seagrass with one player like UConn can do that I don't think Indiana can so whether it's Lucy Olsen, I don't think they're going to leave her wide open, but like Maddie Burke stepping up and hitting a couple threes, they have to do something like the other players have to do something. And yeah. they've done it at times. It just has to happen in that game for them to go to an elite eight. Right. I will say though, if they do get past Indiana, I really like their path because <laughs> I have basically all the upsets down here. Utah. I think Utah stinks and that Princeton's going to beat them. UNLV, I have them beating Michigan and, you know, out of principle, I'm not going to pick LSU to lose to Hawaii because only one 14, 15 or 16 seed has ever won a game, but I'm going to pick them to lose as soon as I can. Uh, That's just because I'm a hater and I'm very okay with admitting that, but (laughs) I, I'd love to die on that hill. So then I have a 10, 11 matchup in the sweet 16. I have Princeton going through there. If Villanova meets Princeton, I really like Villanova's chances. Yeah, they've also already beaten them this season. Um, I actually don't have, I have Utah in the lead eight and in that, because I was just like, I don't, like I can't pick these 10 11 seeds to go that far. But honestly, I could see it happening because I don't believe in either of those. I don't believe in LSU. I, I hate them. And I don't believe in Utah either. <laughs> I know I've said this before, but the day LSU loses, I am going to be the most obnoxious person ever to step on the face of this <laughs> 
I hope it's early. I just hope it's early. Um, I'm going to be the same way if, like, Iowa loses early because I, I don't even know that I hate Iowa. I just, like, think they're overrated consistently. <laughs> they're just, like, not that good. Yeah. Also, part of my, like, Nova to the final floor pick is, like, a heart pick because, like, how funny would it be if, like, Maddie Seekers didn't really get the national player respect of the year respect at all but like if she led this Villanova team to a final four and then like Caitlin Clark flamed out in the second round against Georgia it would be hilarious oh, it be probably beautiful. won't happen but it would be so funny it would be so beautiful I mean this people just seem to be really glossing over the fact that Iowa lost by 30 to Maryland yeah like, like that ago. happened a, a few weeks ago because Maryland played some defense like literally all that that's all that happened you know who's yeah. gonna play some defense Georgia yeah, I, I'm not going to go on my long rant about that game on this podcast because I don't think people particularly care. But if you do care, you can go listen to me go on, on about it in like three other places. <laughs> and what I've said about the UConn-Iowa game earlier in the season is Iowa played pretty much the perfect game up yeah. until what, halftime, midway through the third quarter? And yeah. It's not like yeah. they just went toe-to-toe with UConn. They were playing the perfect game for a while. Yeah. And also, Darka Yuhas didn't play in that game, and like we all know, Sonato can't guard anyone. So if she had played in that game, like it probably would have never been close. Yeah, I mean, Lee Edwards bullied her in that game. Yeah. So, I just realized discussing the ten eleven matchup in the top right that I have another ten eleven matchup in the Sweet Sixteen <laughs> down in the bottom left. I have Middle Tennessee Other- State beating Colorado, <laughs> then beating Duke, and then I have Georgia beating Iowa. Is that I didn't actually pick Georgia beating Iowa, but lean like, into it. Like I might, I might change it because I've convinced myself I'm gonna go on my rap because we keep talking about it. I'll keep it <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it brief. But so I was talking about it being a potential interesting game and that like Diamond Battles guarding Caitlin Clark would be interesting and like looking back at that UConn game last year, like UConn could win it because they could also defend Georgia, but like Iowa can't defend like Brittany Smith in the post. Um, but then someone pointed out to me on Twitter that Iowa played UCF last season at home back in November. So I obviously had to go look at the game. And they did play them at home. And they won by eight points. You know who didn't play in that game for UCF, now Georgia? Brittany Smith. So I, there's a very real world where Georgia beats Iowa. I mean, like, I'm not rooting for this. I really want to make this clear that I am not rooting for this, but I have seen UConn play UCF and Coach Abe's team enough that, like, Georgia's aim might just be to injure Caitlin Clark, like, five minutes in. I Again, th- yeah, it sounds sarcastic I, I with me saying happen. that I'm not rooting for that. No, th- that is legitimate. I'm not rooting for it, yeah, but no, that is just the way that, those yeah. teams play. And what's a way to get past Iowa to literally take out their best player? So, again... This is not what I'm hoping for. This is not what I am predicting. Well, it's kind of what I'm predicting. But <laughs> I, I do not want it to happen. Can I make right. that abundantly clear? I just think it is something that... Or she takes a whack to the face. Like, it might not knock her out of the game, but it might throw her off of her game because... Was it Liv that got the black eye against UCF a couple years ago? That seems right. Didn't, like, something happen? Where was it, Lou? I don't know. There's been... I was just Lou having this multiple. conversation. I was just having this conversation. I was like, didn't like UCF injure Lou? And someone was like, no, it was Liv. And I was like, oh, I really... No, it might have been Liv. And then Lou was the one where like, they like, 
I don't know, something happened, didn't she tell them we'll look at the scoreboard or something? They might have tried to injure Lou. Weren't yeah. successful. And then I think she might have scoreboarded. <laughs> yeah. Underrated fire, Katie Lou Samuelson. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That game just could get real interesting. I, I yeah. need it to happen. I need Georgia to beat Florida State because I, I, I just need that game to happen. Is that on the same days as UConn, or is that separate? It's days? not. It's 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 Friday, Sunday, very happily. <laughs> oh, that's huge. That's huge. I'm very sad that Nova plays on the same day as UConn, because I love watching Nova, but it is what it is. Yeah. The good news is the UConn men are on a different day. I would have yes. been really mad if it was the same day. Same. Same. And it's a really good time, too. By the time, you know, availabilities and stuff are up, not that this matters for anybody <laughs> besides people covering the game, but by the time stuff is up for availabilities before UConn Vermont, it'll, there'll be enough time to get back home to watch yeah. Vermont or UConn beat Iona into a pulp. So <laughs> hopefully I'm not worried about that game. Maybe I'm overconfident. I think you no, I'm not that worried. Them. I think they'll be fine. Iona hasn't played anyone. They have literally yeah. not played a single, like, half-decent team. Yeah, like, their best win might be over Vermont. Let's calm down yeah. here. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, I'm not worried. I am annoyed about their bracket overall, but I'm not Same. worried about that game. But, like, how many players do you have to go down UConn's roster until that player isn't going to be the best player that Iona's seen all season? Like... Definitely yeah. Sonogo, definitely Hawkins, definitely Andre Jackson, definitely Tristan Newton. Like, I don't know. I think you're getting down to like Aline, Diara, Joey C territory until like another team that I always played has someone characteristic of that. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be just fine. Anyways, that is our talking UConn men's basketball <laughs> segment. Anyways, it all starts on Saturday for UConn. So the path to banner number 12. Goes through Seattle, and I could not be more excited. If I had to go to Greenville, this podcast would have just been an hour and a half of me complaining. <laughs> I'm very happy I get to go to Seattle, get to see Climate Pledge Arena. I know, like, the first thing that people think of is, like, oh, Sue Bird's probably going to be at this game. You know what my first thought was? Oh, Vina Westbrook might be at this game. <laughs> You're not wrong, though. She might be. <laughs> I don't know how long the Athletes Unlimited schedule goes or whatever. Oh, but... yeah, that's true. I, I also hope, don't know. But I would hope she's at the game. Might be my favorite per- player that I've ever covered. <laughs> Anyways, next week, we will either be discussing the worst loss in quite possibly the history of the UConn program <laughs> or the path to the Final Four through the Seattle Regional and the Elite Eight and the upcoming matchup with Courtney Banghart and the UNC Tar Heels. <laughs> so on that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. Thanks for listening.